Hi, I'm Jay Editon. And I'm Miles Stokes. And you're listening to Hawk Talk. Where we talk hawks. Normally in this time slot, I say as if there were any kind of regular time slots on the internet, you would be listening to Jay and Miles explain the X-Men, a weekly podcast all about the ins, outs, retcons, clones, and time travel of comics' greatest superhero soap opera. But, um... That's not what's happening here. Now, that podcast is professionally planned and edited and things like that. This one is not. Uh, that's right. Every fourth week, or at least every fourth week once again these days, we talk about Hawks, which is to say, not X-Men. Uh, we stopped doing that for a while. Um, we have started up again for the time being because back in April, we uh, encouraged people to donate to Equality Florida, and a bunch of people did. And certain donation levels, people got to pick Hawk Talk topics. And so that's what we've been doing. So who brought us our topic this week? So this week, uh, generous donor McArdle Booker suggested the topic of lawyers and law in Stories X and otherwise. And um, when I first saw this topic, I thought two things. One, that's a good topic. And two, I don't know anything about that stuff. When I first saw this topic, I was super excited because it means we're going to get to talk about my second favorite red glasses wearing trash fire in the Marvel Universe. Um, (laughs) But I also realized that I lack expertise in some areas of this. And so we have a guest ornithologist today, that being Lyra Foster, um, who is a real life superhero lawyer um, and thus an expert on that. Lyra, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you, um, and thanks for that description. I'm Lyra Foster, uh, and I, uh, pro- I'm i not a professional social justice lawyer, but I take a lot of um, uh, pro bono cases and have, have done some litigation in the trans rights sphere, criminal defense, and um, am one of the founders of Trans Family Network, uh, which is a mutual aid network for getting uh, help, especially to trans people in red states or trying to get out of red states. Um, And um, I have read, at one point I had read every Marvel comic every month from about 2006 to 2017, interestingly, which is when I started law school. So That is pretty super heroic in both directions, like the real life making the world a better place part and also the reading that many comics part. I'm impressed. Yeah, I also deeply identify with with um, the the going to school and and suddenly reading far fewer comics experience. Yeah, I tried to keep up with it for like a week, um, and and it really helped me let go because I had this masochistic thing about reading everything, and it was all like torrented. I'm not you know a millionaire, um, and uh, but that's where you're reading like uncanny thunderbolts or uh, you know. Um, better than average Spider-Man, the like, you know, fourth and fifth line of like, of uh, the things that nobody's reading. Yeah. Adequate Spider-Man kind of lost me. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I thought it was fine. I think that's actually probably the best title you could give like a Peter Parker centric comic is like good enough. (laughs) Yup. Yup. Will he ever be though? Oh, Uh, definitely not. (laughs) That's part of the appeal. So, uh, yes, law and lawyers in fiction and in X-Men. I feel like there are so many directions uh, we could take this over our Hawk Talk length of time in which we will talk about it. I don't know. Where where do you two want to start? I have have a bunch of questions that I I have been saving up for when we have a real-life lawyer on the show. Um, At least to talk about this. So we can start there if, if you feel like indulging me. But I feel like Actually, no, I feel like maybe where we should start is is just sort of listing off the superhero comics lawyers we know of. Because um, there are 
fewer of them than I I usually than I sort of assumed there were before I sat down and started listing. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, okay, you got to start with the, with the big two. You have to start with Daredevil and She-Hulk. Like, those are the ones everybody knows. They're also very much in the spotlight right now due to the delightful She-Hulk show with maybe my favorite on-screen Daredevil in it. Yes, um, and in the yellow costume. Well, like, it's the, the yellow costume. I like the, um, my favorite Daredevil is the, the Wade Samney Happy Matt uh, yes. Daredevil, and I feel like we're closer to that. Like, I like that he's been through... All the born again stuff from season three, but you know, I like uh, I like the kind of learning to enjoy himself, Matt, the most. So definitely, definitely. Oh yeah. So there are those no, two in X Men specifically. We've got Evangeline Whedon, um, who is is a lawyer who turns into a dragon, and we've got Cable. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Wait, I Cable think and possibly Wolverine, who yeah. may or may not uh, practice maritime law. Oh, Wolverine totally practices maritime oh, law. He knows the law of the sea. Yeah, no, he said it that one time. Um, yeah, I think I, uh, Henry Leland from the Hellfire Club, I think he was a lawyer or something. I feel like we had a question about this on the show at some point, and it's still in the back of my brain. Wasn't, um, is it Gabrielle, well, not a superhero, but who, um, the lawyer... Gabrielle Haller. Professor X's girlfriend. What? Yeah, Gabrielle Haller. Um, I don't know if she was a lawyer. I know she officially defended Magneto at The Hague, but I think she might have done that in her capacity as a diplomat. Yeah, that was that was an unusual. Yeah. Well, they're all lawyers in, in anyway, so. Mm-hmm. I'll, it's I'll, in, you know, then, it's a Marvel universe. And then I'm thinking outside of X Men, the only the only the only other other Marvel lawyer that I know of, um, I know because she is she is T's favorite lawyer in the Marvel universe, and that is Bernadette Rosenthal. Bernie Rosenthal um, is a Captain America character. Oh yeah, they uh, they dated back in the day, right? They did, and the entirety of what I know about her is that she dated Captain America. She's Jewish. She's super into pro wrestling, and she's awesome. Um, but so that's so great. I don't know how that part at least can be yeah. short. Okay, so what we, have, we have our collection. Yeah, hmm. oh, sorry, I I totally cut you off. What were you saying? DC, I think, is uh, uh, just Harvey Dent is the only one that I can. That I can think of, and uh, the joke that I always make is because he was a prosecutor, district attorney, uh, who turns into a supervillain, that that's sort of like a a lateral move in terms of evil. (laughs) Actually, definitely the impression that that I get. (laughs) (laughs) I just figured Harvey Dent was like your your standard. I mean, it's the DC universe. Things are a little bit different. That's just what district attorneys are are, are like. Um, But actually, uh, Mac Booker, the the listener and donor who suggested this uh, topic mentioned um the tendency of dc protagonists being cops and prosecutors often and marvel law types more being like defense lawyers which i haven't really thought about that is is that the case like i I don't i don't know enough about law to like pay attention to that when lawyers show up so like you know for she hulk for daredevil for wolverine the maritime lawyer whatever like do we know what type of law they do daredevil historically has been a defense attorney yeah matt is definitely a defense attorney in fact one of the the thing that lost me on uh, on um, the 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 sole run on Daredevil was that they made him into a, a prosecutor, um, mm-hmm. which I mean it is. I I definitely know prosecutors who are very criminal justice reform minded, so I don't want to paint with too broad a brush. Um, but it is they are definitely part of the, that machine. Uh, so having Daredevil be like more or less a, a, a legal cop didn't sit great with me. 
Yeah, I remember. Especially I remember he was like, an ADA at that point, which means or, or a line ADA, in fact, which means that he was basically do, taking a lot of direction from whatever the general political affiliation of the DA's office is. Right. I think it would have been better. I would have loved to see him as like a solicitor, like a misdemeanor prosecutor doing like the 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 traffic tickets and the jaywalking and all that. <laughs> that would be that would be fun in comics. Like you always get these gigantic cases, um, you know, the trial of Magneto, the Superhuman Registration Act, like just little little tiny ones where, you know, like uh, the thing runs a red light because his Aunt Petunia uh, really needs him to come over and like screw in a light bulb or something. And then he has to deal with that while the rest of the Fantastic Four I feel like the thing just pays his fine and goes to online traffic school. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay, that's that's fair. That probably would be would be doable. But still, like that super street level stuff, that would be fun. Or, or Captain America who that, like has to, he can't just pay the ticket because he can't, he has to fight if it's, if there's the fight or whatever. <laughs> exactly <laughs> he could be going to minor traffic cases all day uh <laughs> but yeah like so okay you know those those big uh those big cases that's that's kind of what's on my mind and my extremely limited knowledge of law in in comics and just fiction in general um so we have the superhuman registration act like around civil war and i think there was one maybe before then back in the day as well we have the mutant registration act which was a super big thing back in the day so less lawyery, but like legally speaking, uh, those seem a little over the top. But I don't know, Lyra. Like, is there sort of a, a legal modern basis for such things? I mean, I mean, who knows what'll happen in the next few years? The Supreme Court's fascinating these days, but uh, you know, up until the Supreme then, Court may outlaw mutants just for the the in case they exist. So, no, that seems right. That seems right. Um. Well, I mean, a lot of the a lot of the anti-trans activity and the things that are being proposed and sort of monitoring treatment and and there's stuff that does sound like putting names on lists. And there was a point probably five years ago when I would compare politics to to superhero comics or the X Men or and yeah, particularly the X Men that felt over the top and. Now I just feel insane because I'm like, no, this is actually the X-Men. Yeah, I was thinking about the thing that came up at the medical board hearing in in Florida where someone was suggesting very, very seriously that there be a registered government list of of trans kids. And I... Wow. It reminded me so much of... uh, Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, that was it. I just, um, I I didn't uh, know that part. And that's genuinely horrifying. God damn it. It's, yeah, it's not clear how strongly that's being proposed, but it, in the uh, the first X-Men, when Robert Kelly says, uh, you know, we license people to drive or whatever, like, reasonable sounding comparison he makes to... Um, Firearms? Uh, yeah. the You know, if there's one thing about Marvel Comics, it's that every metaphor they've ever had for a social justice movement has, has 100% inaccurate and great that's the well, um no 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 i'm uh, uh uh the superhuman registration act don't get me started on like all that mark millar star stuff but um you know um i definitely heard the whole robert kelly thing is it is it robert kelly senator, senator kelly right? uh, senator robert, yeah, kelly, robert kelly yeah which yeah. always makes me think of um, both R. Kelly, uh, and I think uh, there's also a different Robert Kelly who is the director of Donnie Darko, although I may be misremembering. Maybe he's a senator. No, it's actually the know. same one. It's the same one? I'm, oh, that's yeah. great. 
I mostly think of the, the most horrifying action figure accessory of all time of him in like the mid melt, which I yes. contend is what that's what Casper the Friendly Ghost must have been shaped like when he was alive. As in, <laughs> oh by his Casper the Friendly death. Ghost, Robert Kelly. Yeah, this is oh, the man, greater he... lore that we have to that, that's still out there. When Archie finally meets, I'm sure that's happened at some point. Uh, is I, I know Casper he's Archie both... or Harvey? I think Casper's Harvey. I feel like there's got to have been some overlap back in the day. Oh yeah, everything I mean, Archie Harvey up to the moon, but yeah, uh, Archibald Harvard is actually the full name of the person who created both lines. But then there was a schism between you know the uh, the way he was feeling during the day and the way he was feeling at night, and he created two comic book companies until he eventually died of sleep deprivation, and so other people had to take over. And now he's Casper the Friendly Ghost. And that's basically a plot of, of Fight Club. Uh, yes, that's exactly. Perfect. Okay. <laughs> we figured it out. Um, so the thing as that usual. currently exists, sorry, the thing that currently exists that feels pretty parallel to, well, not exactly mutant registration, but is the way that um, opioid prescriptions are tracked. Yes, and I mean, there are a lot of exceptions to um, mm-hmm. to privacy laws and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, according to, uh, you know, law enforcement ideas and... and um, I'm a recovering addict myself, so uh, I've I've actually, I mean, I've never, like, personally um, dealt with that stuff, but there's a scary amount of information. I had a lot of people asking, well, wouldn't, like, a registration list like that for people getting affirming care, wouldn't that be an actual HIPAA violation as opposed to wearing masks or whatever? Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, probably not because there's all kinds of exceptions and because it's not technically disclosure if it's only the government that knows. And, um, yeah, there's all that kind of terrifying stuff out there. But I never did. I will. I want to say when you asked about the like constitutional implications, and I don't know if that's what you meant to ask, but saying that uh, like like the Supreme Court considering the Mutant Registration Act um or sorry, the um, the Superhuman Registration Act. It made me think, I know that canonically, uh, Matt Murdock graduated near the top of his class from probably Empire State, or I, I imagine a fictional... It's, it's either Empire State or Columbia, depending on what era it is. That sounds right. That sounds right. Um, and uh, if you're near the top of your class, there's a um, law review is the unpaid labor thing that you try to get and it's like the ultimate resume thing to have if you're in like the top 10 percent of your class a lot of schools there's like a mix of like some people are able to like basically win a writing contest to get on it or um if you just if you're if your grades are high enough you automatically are on it so matt murdoch was almost certainly on law review at some point and while you're on there you write uh a usually very pretentious like overthinky article about you know for me it was um uh freedom of religion and the death penalty um i don't know if maybe that's not the pretentious and fun but anyway you know like i could see the matt murdoch doing the like constitutional implications of the mutant registration act or, or something like that man 
Yeah, I uh, just just citing the uh, ad the government uh, put out for that, um, which was that that uh, little ad in Marvel Comics. Did you know where your children are? With a picture of Franklin Richards. Was, I don't do know. You know are what there illustrations? Do, yeah, I, I, I guess there probably aren't illustrations in these big law reviews. Uh, figure one, figure two, etc. I've read too many comics. I assume there are illustrations and everything. No, there should be. That would definitely make it more interesting. I just, you know, we don't get enough of the the dry academic output of our Marvel characters. And so many of them are are, are grad students or trying to be grad students. Uh, is it Alex Summers? Who's perpetually yeah. OBD. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Although Polaris finally did get her degree. That was made very clear. And I believe it was X-Factor. I think it was Leah Williams X-Factor. I might be misremembering. I believe so, yeah. But I was so, quite yeah. pleased. Yes. And see, there should be an X Factor run where, like the articles at the end of Watchmen, we get whatever Polaris was writing in 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 uh, grad school. I mean, in the current, well, unfortunately, uh, that would Hickman require a dissertation. Era. I was going to say a dissertation on metallurgy that doesn't technically exist. I'm down. I would. I'm, I'm, I would read that. <laughs> No, it would be like that one uh, Borges story where the person's reading the encyclopedia about the place that doesn't exist. um, Orbis Tertius? Exactly. It would be like that. So you'd read the metallurgy article, and uh, then the world would sort of generate that as having always existed, and reality would shift, and it would be great. I'm down with this. Yeah. So going back to to lawyers in law and superhero comics, one of the things that always sort of strikes me about, well, a lot of fields in, in superhero comics is that there's no real specialization. Like, you've got lawyers like Daredevil and She-Hulk, who are both technically defense attorneys, but who also do things like supervise the reading of wills and a lot of contract stuff and really kind of are all over the place. How accurate is that to the way actual lawyers practice law? For the most part, I would say that that's not accurate and most people get into a specialty and only do that and, um, you know, are kind of like stuck in that rut for the, the rest of their life and you know for instance my brother who's smarter than i am he's a an attorney and uh he does a whole other like all the contract stuff the the he's not a litigator and he gets asked the same questions as as i do and you know the like uh about your traffic ticket or your divorce or whatever and you know what i wouldn't know what to tell you about a divorce either so um Oh, Unless no, someone uh, commits yeah. a crime during it. I will say oh, right. being, um, uh, I came out as, as trans maybe like a year after, uh, starting to practice law and it became like a thing of my, um, sort of public persona. And so people started asking me to help. And then just in general, like other trans people in Georgia have asked me to help with their various cases and everything. And I think by doing pro bono work, there's such a need for all kinds of things that there aren't other people to do for free or for very cheap. Uh, so I have ended up doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And there, the, because there's just not a ton of trans lawyers, or at least, you know, like not a ton that aren't deep in some nonprofit world um, of and with their own specialty, I really do kind of have like cameos in all kinds of legal cases all over Georgia. So... <laughs> So What's the furthest out of your bailiwick to... that you've... Or sorry. We are, oh, just, we are... yeah, I was going to say, so like we were talking, you, you are in fact a superhero lawyer and that lawyers in, the Mar- in comics tend to be generalists. It's just it's just further reinforcing this theme. Uh, well, I for similar that. reasons, I always try to say it. it sounds like. 
<laughs> in that well, there, there probably aren't that many superheroes who practice law or are that conversant with, with you know, law as it applies specifically to the superhero community. I, I appreciate, I will say that I, my for pay work is not social justice oriented and it, and I, I make a lot more money than, than most like professional social justice lawyers. And so I've gotten to do some very interesting high profile things. I'm really proud of what I've done. I'm also glad I'm glad that I get to kind of choose different areas and, and the various, you know, as, as opposed to being a specialist at some nonprofit. But I, the real superheroes are the ones that are full time, you know, paying off their student loans on on, you know, nonprofit money. So legit. Yeah. <sighs> student loans. I shake my fist at the concept. Um, But so. That just makes me think about the the education of the various lawyers we've seen in the Marvel Leaders. We talked about Daredevils, but like Cable, we know Cable trained to be a lawyer at some point. He wears a suit and talks about it, and he has tiny little glasses when he does so. Like, was it was his education in the future? Was it was he doing like you know nonprofit stuff in, in, in the present? We we just don't know. Like like Wolverine, he's one of those characters who's uh, basically done everything. Like, who has the most densely packed past of having met every single person and done every little thing. Like, he's he's the best at everything the way Batman is. So that just makes me wonder, like, what is up with his training? Was he doing it in those weird, like, splooshy buildings in the Age of Apocalypse? I, I don't know. I'd love I, to—I would love to see the, like, uh, post-apocalypse apprenticeship that he must have gone through. Oh, see, man. I always kind of assumed it was after he'd come to the present. Okay, because he's come licensed to the... in the present. Oh, that's true. Yeah, like because I know you. We were talking about how uh, Daredevil is only licensed to practice in two states, and so mm-hmm. like, is it the same with time periods or timelines? <laughs> like, Cable's only licensed for Earth six one six, not Earth. What is it? Forty five thirty nine, whatever it is. I don't remember off the top of my head. Like, I know two ninety five by to... memory, but that's it. I would love to see how he figured out which credits were transferable. I did once um, when I was a three L, which is the last year of law school. I. I I told um, a sort of mentee that I had in our LGBTQ law student organization that I think the reason this person was a nerd uh, that I think the reason that I'm good at lawyering and, and law stuff is keeping track of Marvel lore. And I used cable specifically as an example, <laughs> even though I didn't actually I didn't remember that he was a, a, a lawyer, but I was saying that it's a like lot of one like, panel. <laughs> That's the, uh, I'm in as part of a montage, but the, um, uh, keeping track of these like legal problems, it's always like, if this, then that. And, and so it's like, if Scott and Madeline, then, you know, and, and Nate Gray is, <laughs> is the other set of facts and, and so on and so on. Okay. So what you're saying is that law is like divergent timelines and or things involving uh, clones and such? You know, it's like a really dense lore based on white supremacy and, uh, um, <laughs> and uh, you know, valuing wealth over humanity. So one it's of an important, things, like, precedence, yeah. Sorry, one of the things that you see in superhero comics, there's there's... One of the things I appreciate about superhero comics reminds me of something that a friend of mine said about why she watches Law & Order SVU, because it is the context in which 
she she can briefly submerge herself in a fantasy world where sexual violence is taken seriously by the police and they always get the perpetrator and it's always prosecuted effectively. And I feel like in in superhero comics we've got this system, you know, we've we've, we've got again, you know, the fantasy of this thing where the law is is a monolithic and absolute system and state and if you're good enough at it or and at navigating it then then you can you can basically superhero it. You know though, I think the thing that's realistic to me about Matt Murdock is at, with him as a defense attorney who, at least early on, and then I think they re- recognized that this was kind of an ethical problem, but had him defending the people that he'd help apprehend uh, as as Daredevil. Yeah. I think, I think particularly Daredevil comics have gone out of their way to portray most of the criminals, um, the alleged criminals, as at least... You know, deserving of their of their civil rights and of their of defense, even if Matt has actually seen them and fistfighted them, and you know they've been on big mechanical stilts. Uh, and I, so I really like that about uh, a lot of those stories. And in the recent She Hulk series, I also really appreciated. I was so mad because I loved the Emil Blonsky redemption arc. You know, I know a lot of incarcerated people. Um, and a lot of um, returning citizens, and and the I to have a superhero character who was finally that like a redemption arc, and not in a cheap sort of well, we all know that Loki's going to be a good guy for five years out of every fifteen, and um, mm-hmm. uh, so I was so mad when he had his, his like heel turn at the end. Oh, sorry, spoilers. But then uh, and then. But then explicitly in that last conversation, She-Hulk is saying, like, no, this is not what happens. This is not how this should end. This is not what the, you know, the, the guy doesn't randomly just be evil again for the sake of being evil. Um, so I think that there is some, like, redemptive aspect. And this is my overly defensive Batman take. But I think that you can read a lot of rehabilitation and redemption in the way that almost all of his okay it is a cartoonishly evil asylum but almost all of his villains uh you know end up getting some sort of psychiatric treatment rather than being locked up and also no matter how many no matter how much damage is done by these villains there's a kind of faith i think in him, you know, repeatedly, they get to live. I, it's not my life to take. It's not my choice to make that they that that they they that they die. So I think comics gets some of that, you know, gets gets some of that right. But then, you know, of course, like they have all the problems with the portrayals of cops and and Batman, probably worst of all. So mixed bag, I guess. <laughs> And portrayal of mental health services, you know, Arkham Asylum, is, is, is cartoonishly evil and is is cartoonishly evil in ways that don't translate to, to much in the way of actual mental health ser- services. Speaking of which, shout out and plug for Arkham Sessions, which is a podcast that actually directly addresses um, representations of mental health and mental health care in comics. Oh yeah, that's a good one. 
well, I, I'll tell you though. Um, superhero books can be escapist fantasies, and one of the escapist fantasies of the DC universe is that even if Arkham Asylum sucks, at least it wasn't defunded by Reagan. That's Ooh. true. Yeah, their the Darwell upkeep budget seems to not have been like cut during. <laughs> Wasn't it? I assume I, I, the Wayne Foundation pays for like ninety percent of Gotham's in- infrastructure. Yeah, it could be. And I mean, gargoyles. I, that definitely does fit the the aesthetic. I feel like um, making Gotham City look all spooky is is a big priority for Bruce Wayne. Like it's his mm-hmm. best way to honor his parents, who canonically, I assume, loved spooky things. Didn't they go to see a horror movie? Maybe it was Zorro. It was Zorro. He needs spooky. he needs things to swing from. That's true. How can you swing around if there aren't things to swing from? Uh, I've this happened at least once in Spider-Man. I don't remember the issue, but like he's he's just going through some really rural area and he just has to walk. That's, that was always very frustrating playing the Spider-Man video game. You know, much better. Yeah, to stay exactly. In the urban you parts. run into that area where you're just kind of like slowly pulling yourself across rooftops. That's you know exactly. That, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, uh, superhero comics definitely have some of those same biases towards law enforcement and to create dramatic tension they make the defense uh seem like they have more power than they actually do and that is i guess that does that would tend to be more on the the marvel side of like the the skeezy defense lawyer or sorry on the dc side the skeezy defense lawyer who always gets off the the client on a technicality that never happens um and in the, in the Marvel universe, where they tend to be the defense attorneys, uh, you, you you definitely see less of that. But yeah, like I said, um, mixed bag. Oh, one thing that the that comics love and that I ha- is in a lot of media is the last minute new evidence. Well, actually, there's a witness who saw this thing. And in real life, so you you go through all the evidence that you have with your judge at the beginning before trial even starts, before you pick a jury, and the judge decides what's going to be admissible and what's not. And during discovery before that, you exchange all the information you have, because the idea is you have to give the other side everything so that they can investigate, probe it, do whatever, um, so if you were to intentionally reveal something that hadn't been revealed, uh, at the end of the trial or the, or the, the, the person runs in and yells, well, I, I was alive the whole time. <laughs> that's, if you intentionally can steal that, that would be like a huge sanctionable, definitely you're in trouble for that. And then if it, and, and, and if it's a surprise thing, you know, Pretty frequently, at least on like the civil defense side, I've seen where somebody who has previously testified a million times, no, I never talked to anybody about this, or there was no other witness, there was no other person there who on on the stand or in deposition is like, oh yeah, my my cousin James was there. And then essentially everything has to stop, and the case is going to take several more months to resolve because you have to talk to cousin james because you can't have the the hearsay of the or there's at least additional evidence out there and another witness so a lot of the like dramatic tension in the shows yeah it just doesn't work like that yeah something else i'm curious about is conflict of interest so we've seen matt murdoch at least disbarred once because 
of of that and of Daredevil things. Like to what extent to what extent are are Daredevil and She-Hulk skating on thin ice or or just straight through thin ice by superheroing while while practicing law? And I mean for She-Hulk, she doesn't have a secret identity. Would that like would that make a difference? Well, as far as I know, She-Hulk I can't think of times, I'm sure that it's happened, but where she's defending somebody that as she as a superhero she she put in jail or or helped to get arrested with with daredevil it's it's terrible because so an attorney can't knowingly put forth evidence that is false um you you have to zealously advocate for your client but you can't let them lie if you know oh. that they're lying. But you do have to actually know. So as a like as a criminal defense attorney, and this is not a, a bad thing, this is not corrupt, because you again, it's the prosecutor's job to to prove their case. And you you know, you essentially you, you go out of your way. To, to take your client at their word and to not know if they're straight up lying, because at that point, probably you're going to try to disqualify yourself from the case and different, get different counsel because you don't want to put forward that evidence. You know, you don't want to have to tell the court my client is lying, um, but you also can't let them lie. So the thing is, is with Daredevil, that ruins so much of criminal defense because it's almost Almost everything, almost every piece of testimony in the case from the defendant would be inadmissible, be super unethical for him to to offer it because he knows that that guy, he would know that that guy was lying. He would know what actually happened there. Um, and I, that's probably not as interesting as, as I think it is. And a lot of times, you know, people pretty much know, but. No, that's fascinating. So the superpowers would be an issue, but the vigilantism wouldn't necessarily. Oh, in terms of the knowing people are lying because of their heartbeats or whatever you mean? Yeah. Oh, shoot. I didn't even think about the the fact that he could hear their heartbeats and know that they're lying. You know, even then, because it's like, there's different kinds of knowledge in, in... lawyery stuff so of course you know there's like um you hear about like constructive knowledge like well this person knew and if they didn't know they they damn well should have it's so obvious um and then actual knowledge is i know this for a fact um and honestly like like with the heartbeats matt probably still has plausible deniability if he is well maybe he drank a monster energy before (laughs) Uh, before go- taking the stand, and you know, I don't know he was lying. Um, uh, you know, I was thinking more of the stuff that he had, had he, that he had witnessed. Now, I mean, uh-huh. you know, lawyers do illegal stuff all the time. Unfortunately, that's not related to like you know um, conflict of interest um, necessarily. But you know, the, there's we've had we had four years and, and counting now of the the Trump attorneys and the cartoonishly like that's the juris doctor doom you know like yeah 
Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, I, I always thought it would be more fun to live in a world with actual supervillains, and it turns out, no, it just, it just makes me sad all the time, and, and, I mean, maybe if they wore, they wear dramatic robes, that's something, maybe if it were capes, they would at least be more excitingly supervillainy, a little more colorful, if they had metal masks, shot lasers, I don't know, something, it's just the most, it's the banality of real-life supervillains. Well, if they were set up as the foils for powers of good to chronically uh. defeat... That's that what would, we're that missing. That would probably make a, more of a difference. Oh, well, we we need some of those. I mean, uh, I don't know. I'm sure there'd be a lot more property damage in New York City or whatever. But uh, I mean, you know, it's fine. I would definitely, to... I would trade it for knowing that eventually they have to reboot or set, reset the status quo, and uh, Lex Luthor can't be president anymore, or or you know, however that's going to work. But also. I think that there's something I, I take a lot of like personal inspiration from superhero comics. And there is something like, especially with Matt Murdock um, with Peter Parker, all, with, with the mutants of like, it really does keep coming, you know? Um, and the, the victories last for two pages of falling action at the end of the, of issue six of the miniseries, And then the next miniseries starts where there's the new problem Maybe there's a big grandmaster plan behind everything, which is kind of how it works in real life. It's just that most of that's boring all the time and, and banal. Mm-hmm. No actual demons behind things, as as far as we know. Yeah, no, that, that is a good point, though, because, like, you know, in superhero comics, there are always going to be more villains. There are always going to be more problems. Daredevil's life is always going to suck. Peter Parker's life is always going to suck in uh, much less horrible, but still very real ways. And they keep fighting. They keep they keep doing their thing. Um, I, I I like that. That's that's certainly one of the the central appeals for me. Um, I just don't feel terribly empowered. I don't have any web shooters or anything. I just have a a, a podcast about X Men where we make dick jokes a lot. Y'all do more than you know, though. I I, I think I've told Jay that there were some realizations I really came to as like kind of a centrist Obama. Democrat of I, y'all were the first time that I ever heard it explained why uh, Professor X is uh, Martin Luther King and and uh, Magneto's Malcolm X is a very bad 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 comparison um, or uh, you know or the the Superhuman Registration Act as a as a gun control metaphor well that does all kinds of dehumanization and um, so, I, like y'all, y'all book me up on some stuff in in superhero comics for sure. Um, I actually was listening to y'all when, uh, like, driving back to my first sort of experience pre law school before I even decided to go to law school, um, uh, where an AA sponsee of mine was on trial, and it was sort of my exposure to to all that. So y'all do more than you know, and especially than Jay, who's like in the work work now with all I. I can't believe I get to talk to you about incarceration. Yeah, that's that's this is this has been um this I I think since since we last talked about lawyers and law on the podcast um I am now doing an internship in a policy policy intensive uh, fellowship in justice reform so that's where I live now. Yeah, yeah, Jay. I guess you haven't really talked about that much on the show, have you? Yeah, no. I I just sort of say grad school and generalize under that. But, oh, I'm um, sorry. Yeah. Should I not have? Oh no, no, it's fine. I it just doesn't really come up. Um. 
see, I'm studying human rights, but I have, I have, um, a policy fellowship and I'm working at a, a local justice reform organization, um, for my last, during my last year. Dude, that is rad as hell. I, uh, have you, uh, encountered any, um, lawyers that turn into dragons in your experience with this, Jay? Or for that matter, Lyra, have you, is this, a, is this a common thing? I never really know how representative Evangeline Wheaton is. Well, I do, uh, you know, I'm a trans femme who doesn't voice train and I'm six foot six, uh, you know, barefoot. So... I think I make an impression, um, especially like, you know, for lawyers that have only ever seen briefs filed by me or or maybe talk to me on the phone or whatever. Like, I think I, I definitely see a look in uh, in hearings and stuff of, of oh, you know, and that it kind of like sets them back. That has some 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 dragon slash She-Hulk vibes, I think. Which, I think Which she's is awesome. Six, six. Uh, I don't, the, the only height I remember is Logan because he's 5'3", and as somebody who is 5'6", it, it's nice to be taller than, than someone. Uh, I'm not sure about She-Hulk, but that sounds right. I just know some random X-Men heights. What are some random X-Men heights, Jay? Uh, well, I mean, Logan, obviously, and I, I know the Cyclops is 6'3", because that stuck in my head as, as contrast, and someone drew a very, very funny small comic about, um, the fact that they're, they're usually drawn with their heads at roughly the same level and what it should actually look like. Maybe Wolverine is uh, standing on a crate all the time when he's getting in Scott's face. Maybe he wears extremely high heels and platforms. It could be. You know, Patrick Swayze is pretty short, and I believe he's done both of th- those things in movies. Like, I know during some dancing, I don't know if it was in Dirty Dancing or a different movie, they were kind of wheeling him around, like, on a rolly stand thing. Really? I knew that about, um... I know, God, I'm Clark Gable in, in Gone with the Wind. I did not know that about Patrick Swayze, because he's actually a dancer. Or was actually a dancer. Patrick Swayze? Oh, yeah. yeah, it was just like a scene where he was supposed to be the same height as Face. Or so I've heard. I don't know. We're wrong about things a lot on the show, and we're, like, wrong about way more things on Hawk Talk. So who can say? I I mean, I you know, I was, like, God, 13, 14 when the first X-Men movie came out. And I, I just remember the heights were wrong. And so it's, like, you know, I think it's pretty agreed that Hugh Jackman is, like, is Wolverine, or at least for, like, a certain generation. Um, and it drove me crazy that he was taller than Cyclops. Like, that was a, like, cast bad actors if you need to. Just make sure that we're height accurate for, uh, you I, know, for, for the movie-going audience. I still want to see Danny DeVito as Logan. I think it would be amazing. Huh. Yeah, no, it'd be great. It'd be great. There are no problems a- with this with this plan. There's a lot of potential for the that fastball special. Like that's the first thing that came to my mind was was Colossus launching uh, Danny DeVito. Danny DeVito right in your face, and he's got adamantium claws. <laughs> uh, right, I think we may have gotten off track with with the Danny DeVito thing. But um, we're as, on as Wolverine, we which means we can talk about maritime law. Okay, right. So as we know from the '80s X Men Avengers miniseries, not Avengers versus X Men, but X Men versus Avengers, and also um, from things we've arbitrarily decided. Uh, also from things we've arbitrarily decided, Logan does mention something about the law of the sea and therefore is clearly a maritime lawyer. As I recall, so is uh, Michael Bluth in Arrested Development. So I assume No, he just a- thinks he is because he played one once in a, in a play. Oh, right, right. You're correct, Dr. Hook? Yeah, uh, Captain Hook. Um, yeah, so obviously this is a common frequent field, um, which makes me wonder, like, would, would Atlantis be in the jurisdiction? Like, could maritime law work in Atlantis? Or is that different because it's under the sea as opposed to people floating around on the sea? Like, 
how do you determine the borders of where uh, of where your expertise kind of kind of covers? Would oh, you that is a good law? question. I wonder. There, Atlantis raises all kinds of of jurisdictional issues and uh, 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 what do you call it? Salvage and all that. The one thing. N- you know, maritime law is among lawyers something joked about as like so niche that nobody knows about it. But on law review, where you have to do the unpaid labor in like editing articles for people, and you write, you get to write one article, you are you edit dozens by professors and scholars, and um, the one one that I happened to be assigned to was maritime law was like a summary of maritime law for. Um, uh, for whatever year that was, um, which was fun because uh, the um, I did I managed to get the the headline for this this cruise ship that had stalled and the plumbing like overflowed. All the oh no the clickbaity headlines were the poop cruise, and in an article like that, you'll cite you know, cases and the law, but you'll also like talk about the like popular conception of it. And so I did get to put like, quote unquote, the poop cruise in parentheses in the the proper Harvard citation format. It was great. Excellent. (laughs) That's what makes it worth it right there. Like all of those dry articles. Uh, So I figure if you can say the poop cruise and then if you can also include illustrations, not necessarily of the poop aspect of the poop cruise, that might be going too far, but you know, this could be so much more engaging for everyone, for the layperson, even. The one, um, the fact that I don't know is like for sure a fact, or it's a, it's a thing a, a thing I've cobbled together in my head about maritime law that I once tweeted about, and it started to go viral. And it, there's at least enough to it that lawyers in my replies were like very, they were arguing about it, so it wasn't clearly that I was wrong, but. At some point during my editing of this article, I read that a um, that the the commander of a vessel um, it, there's one of those one of the exceptions for justification in like murder, well homicide is if if someone is a, a, is a danger to the people on your ship, you don't have to wait for them to get on land to you know. I mean, obviously that would have to be like an immediate danger, and I don't I don't know that much about that, but I just. I remember that. And then on some Disney podcast that I listened to, they were talking about how the performers were the they were the captains of the lifeboats because in the event that the cruise ship should go down, they know how to talk, they know how to project, you know, there's huh. Belle or there's a uh, uh, Star Lord um you know, calling people onto the lifeboats and then so if they're the commanders of the lifeboats, the thing that I put together that may not actually make sense is that there are circumstances in which, um, you know, Elsa from frozen could legally grease you if necessary to protect human life. Wow. Okay. Elsa has a license to kill with ice powers. I assume. What would you think? I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm against, you know, homicide in general. However, that is amazing. Like, I, I, how do you even, like, so t- tell, tell me about yourself. Well, I used to play Star-Lord at Disney, and one time I had to kill a guy. It was that for would, a good reason. Well, only on the cruise. All, of all the Marvel characters, that would be the most disappointing to have to be the one that, the one that executed you, you know? Like, 
if, oh, if T'Challa yeah. kind of Namor's you like in Secret Wars, that that'd be great. But if it's if it's Star Lord or I don't know, baby Groot, Star Lord. Yeah, or, well, see, now I'm getting a bunch of B-list characters who probably would not be on Disney cruises, or, or D-list characters, I don't know, I just... Now I'm thinking to, of, to like, be... Disney character, like, Disney, Disney characters it would be depressing to be murdered by. I mean, I guess it would be depressing to be murdered in general anyway. Well, and really, a lot of people yeah, would but... be down for, like, the, the Robin Hood, you know, he, he was formative for a lot of people. He was very mm. formative for, for a lot of people. I feel like between Disney's Robin Hood and Sonic the Hedgehog, like, you know, th- thus was a movement born. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, yeah, huh, I guess Sonic's not Disney, so he couldn't kill anyone. Uh, yeah. Unless there was a Sega cruise. I Huh. This is so thought-provoking. I feel like I, I'm just going to be thinking about this for the, for the rest of the night. Like, which Marvel characters might murder me if I misbehaved on a lifeboat? I mean, I think getting murdered by Mickey Mouse would be the creepiest. Well, it's that voice. It's the, like, there's a, there's a certain, like, wild-eyed uh, intensity behind that voice. And, I don't know, he kind of reminds me of, um, of Judge Doom from uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit when he does that cackle thing and then his eyes oh, fall yeah. out because he gets run over. And uh, then Matt Murdock Judge could Doom. defend him. And then Matt Murdock could defend Judge Doom. Talking about uh, No, no, Mickey seat. Mouse. After Mickey Mouse kills you for, for cause. Oh yeah, you can't defend Judge Doom. He murdered that shoe, and I'm still mad, and also really distressed. Yeah, that was Mickey so Mouse, they have the rights and could definitely do that. You know, the uh, Roger Rabbit's in that that legal limbo. So, oh, good point. Yeah. Oh, and then there's a the whole copyright law. I, I guess. Okay, so eventually copyright law runs out in fictional characters because eventually, like, there's that Winnie the Pooh Winnie the Pooh horror movie that's out there right now. So. In theory, eventually that'll happen with Marvel characters as well, and we can see all sorts of of, of glorious uh, unofficial things that are allowed to be made. I, in the meantime, huh. you think they're going to show up in Kingdom Hearts? Uh, I don't know. Kingdom Hearts was over, and then like they just announced that there's going to be more. That series is going to go on forever, and it's going to get more and more confusing uh, until it just drives us all mad by mere proximity. I, I lost track of the plot in the second one. If they would do a Kingdom Hearts legal drama with with She-Hulk and and Matt Murdock, and surely there's uh, some lawyers over in Disney. Yeah, I mean, we already have, like, uh, some mechanical templates. I mean, the Phoenix Wright series, that's apparently how law works in video game controls. So, okay, you know what? I've turned it around. More Kingdom Hearts is fine as long as they do that. But they have to do that. Oh, see, now I just want a She-Hulk game that's half fighting game, half, half legal drama. Uh, that that would be amazing, actually. I have a Daredevil Um, pitch that's where where he's it's all about the lawyering but of course i would so <laughs> this seems it seems in character yes i like this uh, plan yep uh okay so we've we've covered you know some of the important stuff like maritime law including which disney characters could kill you on a lifeboat uh are there any other things we want to to cover during this hawk talk on lawyers and law well on lawyers and law and their relations to superhero universes in particular um, so Lyra, I'm wondering, do you have any favorite like instances of law being practiced in superhero comics? I actually do in a in a adaptation. Um, there is in it's the last couple episodes of Daredevil season three, um, and and I thought of this when you mentioned like the superhero lawyering of the aha, I gotcha. And that kind of stuff is rare, but it happens. Or like the you, where you find that one thing and you've just like got the guy. And I don't know if you remember, but 
a certain character as like he knows that he's about to be killed and so he records what happened and everything and they're able to use it because it's the the hearsay declaration for dying declaration it's not that's actually not how it works in real life dying declaration is like you are moments away and you know the the whole thing is that it's admissible because you you wouldn't have a motivation to lie if you have moments left to live. If you're like still together enough to be able to think and form the thoughts, it's really not dying declaration. But it was like close enough that I, I felt like the writers had at least Googled, and uh, you know it was like a it was a fun little technicalities like that. You you know as I said, criminals getting off or something on on um on legal technicalities that never happens but where you're like really trying to crack a case and there's like some dumb little law school thing that never comes up that's that so that was my moment and that was like i was getting so excited my then partner was looking at me like you absolute nerd and she's like perfectly as nerdy nerdy enough to be like so on board with everything about daredevil but as soon as it's like again that like law school wonkiness uh, she's like, God. <laughs> nerdage within nerdage. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, well, sweet. I feel like we've covered, um, you know, the, the entire concept and field of, of, of law. Like if anybody listens to this episode, they're, they're good. They could pass the, uh, the bar. Right. I, I think so. Sure. I'm, I'm sure that it, depending on, on how many people listen, you may get some serious objections to that maritime law opinion. I don't know. I'm not a maritime lawyer and apparently they are. Rare enough that in my replies, there were lawyers arguing about it, but none of them did that. Hi, actual maritime lawyer here. Because there are no actual maritime lawyers, I don't think. Except Wolverine. And he's probably not on Twitter. I feel Wait, like he would hate social media. What if maritime law is just a collective fiction? Oh, it, what they're, if they're actually that's the R0? clone thing? Everyone just knows somebody who knows somebody? Mm-hmm. All of it is built on hearsay and, and memory, and or, or, or like... A collective hoax. Oh man! Well, okay. You know what? We've uncovered it. Like listeners, That's you heard fun. it here first. Yep. Yeah, maritime law doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. I remember that for the bar exam, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> so there you have it, everybody. We hope you found this educational, um, and this 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 ornithological voyage that you now know how to change your hawk's carburetor and get them through law school. Um, Lyra, thank you so much for joining us. Um, do you want to let folks know me. where they can find you online? Um, I'm at, on Twitter at, um, at Pink Ranger LB. Um, also, if you Google homophobic slug, I'm the first search result because of a meme making fun of Star Wars. And uh, that's, a, I always, I, I've been on some like very serious legal podcasts and that's what I always like to, to like throw off the, the very scholarly hosts with my Google homophobic slug. And that's where you can find me. <laughs> um, Man, if I, I, th- I would put that on my business cards. I, it's the kind of thing where like, when, when I meet queer people out in the world, I'm like, do you know about homophobic slug? It's me. That's an end. <laughs> sometimes I'm not believed. And sometimes it's a, Oh my God. Um, homophobic slug. I know homophobic slug. You were trending on Tumblr for three days. <laughs> Most um, people just get 15 minutes. That's that's as good as it ever got. Um, yeah, at Pink Ranger LB. Also, um, Trans Family Network 
um, is uh, at transfam.net. You sign up either to give or or receive help um, or both. And uh, rather than being like a traditional nonprofit that like gives out money or or kind of specializes in in, um, the direct help, what we do is connect people to give that mutual aid who... I have a place to stay in this state and you're trying to leave this state and you can be on my couch for a couple of weeks, that kind of thing. Um, it's still very early phases, but we're, we've gotten to do some good work. Um, and also, um, yeah, follow me. I, um, to, I tweet a lot about my case, Christina Lynch. She's a, uh, incarcerated trans woman in, in Georgia, who's currently fighting for affirming care and uh housing and uh comportment as um as 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 her her actual gender so um yeah a lot of a lot of irons in the fire but homophobic slug word well thank you for being on the show thank you for all you do as well and also thank you to mcardle booker who again donated generously to equality florida earlier this year suggested this topic and uh mcardle as i understand you're a lawyer so apologies slash you're welcome slash somewhere in between the two i look forward to a very spirited public square twitter uh maritime law debate with mac booker of the implausible there's a a marvel universe ass like evil computer genius name (laughs) i like that might save Uh, that for if i ever go super villain Well, we'll be back next week with um, actual, like, X-Men-y uh, story stuff. Uh, but in the meantime, we hope you enjoyed this. Remember that maritime law is not real, and there you have it. <laughs> and nothing you've heard here constitutes legal advice. <laughs>